This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. A Cherry Hill Volvo and XC40 can be leased for as low as $459. And an XC90 leased for as low as $629. The Cherry Hill Volvo offers are very aggressive. Spring into Cherry Hill Volvo for incredibly fabulous offers. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast yes. this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli well, did you watch the uh, lesser debate last night? Did you? And what did you think of the horror show that was the, I don't know, 14th Republican debate? Oof, ah, man, I'll tell you what. There are a lot of reactions to this. A lot of people hating on Vivek Ramaswamy today, but very obvious what his job was. What his job is, is to kill the people that are trying to kill Donald Trump, which is why he's probably going to wind up in Trump's cabinet one day. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Great to have you with us today. Busy day. Uh, Trump is back in court for the New York civil fraud trial. We'll bring you any breaking developments that are there uh, going on right now in New York City. Uh, you heard in the news about the president of the University of Pennsylvania. So she may be out of a job after her vile comments in front of the House of Representatives when Elise Stefanik questioned her about all the anti-Semitic protests that are going on on the campus of UPenn. Uh, She did a horrible job. It was a horrible, snarky, uh, typical leftist, anti-Jew kind of an answer. And then she tried to walk it back on social media. Her apology, non-apology, made it worse. And now there's an emergency meeting underway to decide her fate as the president of the college. Uh, uh, Meanwhile, Harvard, the president of Harvard said basically the exact same things. And there's really no efforts underway to, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) to get rid of the president of Harvard. So, you know, you try to figure it out. You try to figure it out with all that. And you say to yourself, man, wow, I'll tell you, it's it's a bad time to be on a college campus, particularly the elite Ivy League. And remember something, the problem is, I would normally be a defending freedom of speech on college campuses, even vile freedom of speech. But these are the people that would send you to re-education camp and would discipline you on college campuses if you culturally appropriated people for Halloween. These are the same people that would ban speakers, fire people who were speaking at guest lecturing at their various political entities. Would not allow debates on things, would, would cancel college speakers. These are all the same people who did those things. So I have, you, you can't have any sympathy for them. It's not like they had a stalwart freedom of speech defense record that they could rely on. And they could turn around and say, you know what, Congresswoman, here's the deal. Yeah, we let every kind of speech vile as it is on our campus because we just were a bastion of free speech. That's it. And I can't pick and choose what speech I like. And so... Yeah, we we let it all. It's and we hate it a lot of it, but we let it all fly. That's not what they do. They punish people who they don't like. 
and, and typically conservatives, but they tip, they punish people they don't like. And they have a long history of this. I mean, we've been talking about cancel culture on college campuses for years. That's why when our friend Greg Lukianoff from FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, before they changed their name, it was the Foundation for Individual Rights and Education. And mostly what they did back then was focus on colleges and universities who were silencing students and professors, who were punishing students and professors for their speech. And as you can imagine, many of the universities that were the chief offenders in this were places, places like Harvard and Penn. So now to see these presidents called to, 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 to answer for what they've allowed to fester here with this anti-Israel, anti-Semitic approach that's going on in these campuses, it's hard to feel sorry for them. Now, there's an old saying in life, you reap what you sow. They've been sowing this for a long time. And they've been sowing censorship for a long time, too. That's why nobody can feel bad. And that's why people who normally are always stalwart defenders of freedom of speech are really silent over all that's happening right now. Because these people are the worst defenders. These people have been the problem. These are the ones we've been fighting. That's why Greg Lukianoff wrote his book about what's happening on college campuses. So let me, let me, let me just go on here and, and say that the free expression that should be allowed on college campuses has not been allowed on college campuses. They've been censoring the hell out of things. And so now they're confronted by the people in charge, the Republicans in Congress, over speech that the Republicans in Congress find vile. And normally, I would be the first one to stand up and say, but it's speech. You got to give these people a break. But they're reaping what they sow. Years and years and decades of punishing people, like, ironically enough, Elise Stefanik, for her political opinions, and firing her from their visiting scholars uh, government thing at Harvard, has now come back to bite them straight in the you-know-what. The simple answer for all these college presidents should have been, look, we just allow free speech. We, we... We are a university, so all kind of, we just allow it all. But they don't do that. They'll punish you for wearing a sombrero at a Halloween party at a fraternity house because you've offended somebody. They'll cancel a comedian because the comedian might offend somebody. They'll cancel a debate on abortion because it might trigger a woman on college campus who's had an abortion. You know what I mean? Like it goes on and it doesn't stop. And so you turn around and you go, all right, well, this is what you get. You don't have a defense now. See, if you had been able to all these years defend freedom of speech and defend freedom of expression, you would be fine. You'd be fine. You'd say, but yeah, but, but this is what we do here. They couldn't do that. And so they try to explain why, in this case, the speech didn't violate any of their campus codes. But all the other times, the speech that they didn't like did violate their campus codes. And therein lies the problem. Therein lies the problem. because. If you're then going to pick and choose, the minute you start doing that, the minute you are subject to criticism for what you allow. Because you've not allowed it all. You, you've chosen to, to, to censor, you've cho- chosen to ban, so now you are absolutely allowed to be criticized for what you allow. Because I was the one criticizing them for what they banned for years. I mean, a lot of this started when I remember it was 2015 or so. Patrick was still a baby. So I flew out to California, went to University of California, Berkeley, Milo Yiannopoulos, Ann Coulter, 
They were supposed to speak. Berkeley canceled it out of an abundance of caution because they said they, they couldn't protect them and keep them safe. Now, that's a lie. It's called the heckler's veto. It's used often under the guise of safety. We're going to cancel a speaker. But there was so much anger on the college campus for having these speakers come here that the, the university was able to hide behind the excuse of saying we can't keep you safe. As you know, to this day, Ann Coulter is still dead to dawn over the fact that she completely blew off the show and never showed up for her interview. But that's the point, though, of why I was out there, which was to defend freedom of speech, freedom of expression. These campuses have become places where people have turned around and have viciously attacked speakers that they don't like and viciously attacked speech that they don't like with students up in arms and pitchforks and fires and all of it, and college presidents and faculty members walking out, refusing to teach, kicking students out of their class for having different opinions. So now, when the vile anti-Semitic speech pops up, you can't turn around and pull a Skokie. You know, you can't pull a, a, an Illinois Nazis on this and go, well, it's freedom of speech. I hate it, but what are you going to do? I mean, you can't hope that the Blues Brothers will be driving down a bridge and will be able to run them into the, they'll have to jump off and Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Of course you do. Everybody does. But the Supreme Court ruled they had a right to march, had a right to protest, and they do. And colleges can allow whatever they want, and they have been. The problem is that they would never allow neo-Nazis to march on their campus. In fact, the world freaked out when they had that Tiki Torch party back on the campus of UVA many years ago. Bunch of guys in khakis and tiki torches, apparently representing Trump's America. There were like a couple dozen of them. They look like rejected gap models. And I can only imagine how many of them were undercover federales, but that's for another show. But, they, but colleges would not allow that to occur. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let that happen. They wouldn't let Nazis march. They wouldn't let neo-Nazis march. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let the Klan march. They wouldn't let, and, and, and they have a right to say no to that, obviously, unless you are somebody who is completely believes in absolute freedom of expression, no matter how vile it is, no matter how offensive it is, period. We just allow everything. Unless somebody is personally intimidating one person with a specific threat, we're going to allow the speech. We, we, we're not going to be in a place where we turn around and say that speech is hurtful and words are like weapons. They wound sometimes, according to Cher, who blocked me on Twitter, but that's, again, for another show. But yeah, words are like weapons. They wound sometimes. So the words of these various groups can hurt marginalized students and individuals. So therefore, we're not going to allow this group, that group, this group, that group, and that group. But then why do you allow these other groups who are then triggering students who are Jewish? And this is their problem. This is why they have no defense, because they have spent so much time turning around and punishing people who they did not agree with. I'll give you a great example from Penn. Amy Wex, law professor, Amy Wex, who, of course, has had some, you know, strange ideas, some different opinions looking at things. But she was she was basically banned from teaching because of controversial statements she has made. We've talked about Amy Wex's case on this program many times. MIT would not allow University of Chicago professor Dorian Abbott, a geophysicist, from accepting a teaching award on campus because he once said he wouldn't allow the race of a student to play a role in grading classwork. Now, don't you think that that's the exact right opinion to have? I'm not going to take your race into account when I give you a grade. Of course, that's the right approach. But the university wants you to, and they want you to give 
higher grades to people who are of the quote-unquote marginalized communities. And yes, Harvard fired Elise Stefanik from her senior advisory position for supporting President Trump in 2020. I, I guess really what it comes down to is we've also seen colleges become the place where due process goes to die. You're a young man on college campus. We've covered many of these stories before. You're accused of sexual assault. You are guilty. And you have to fight to prove your innocence in a kangaroo court that is designed to work against you. And you are in all effects, even if three weeks later she decides to revoke her consent, which has been a thing. You know, college girl comes back and three weeks later says, you know what? I was drunk. He raped me. And then the college proceeds to punish that young man for rape, even though at the time she seemed to give her consent. And I've I've covered these stories on the show with you over the years. These colleges have also not allowed freedom of the press, of their own newspapers. They've censored stories. They've censored articles. They've censored opinion columns. They have, they, have, they have canceled people who have submitted opinion columns to newspapers. They proceeded to edit and censor comments in yearbooks. I mean, it goes on and on. We could do this all day. And they have also destroyed the ability of freedom of assembly on college campuses as well. They've gone after free speech online. They've punished students for what they've said online, even if they're not on college campuses at the time they said it. They've done all these things. So it's very difficult to have any sympathy for people like Liz McGill, the president of Penn, or the president of Harvard, or any of these other people. I mean, I would normally be on the side of saying, hey, Congress, stay out of it. I know you don't like the speech. I don't like the speech. It's vile, and I detest it, but it's still free speech. And unless they're targeting a person who is Jewish, then you can't ban that speech because it's free speech as hate speech is covered under the First Amendment. I mean, that's why I tell you all the time, I don't support hate speech laws that are popping up in the UK and Australia and Ireland and all these other places, because who decides the hate? It's often decided by lefties in government who decides what's hate speech. So I don't I don't ever support hate speech codes and hate speech laws. I know there's going to be people that say vile things. I know there's going to be people that say things that, that are that are just hurtful to groups, but we don't judge speech on that. We judge it on whether or not, and we don't look at it as whether that speech targets, or I should say triggers an individual member of that group. You know, somebody's making comments about Italians, you know, and uh, proceeds to associate them all with being mobsters. Well, that's true. No, I mean, it's, it could be true, but I can't turn around and say, I want that speech banned because I'm Italian, I feel triggered by it. But that's exactly what college campuses would do if somebody was saying something and a person in a marginalized group felt triggered by that speech. They would shut the entire speech down. The standard is supposed to be if you're making specific threats or comments directed at an individual or individuals. And then and that those individuals have been called out by name or it's very, very obvious who you're speaking about. And you're not talking about a group of people. You know, this is why we, if a group, if, if a um, quote unquote white supremacy group starts chanting about, um, you know, open border or you know, losing culture and all the other things and the left screams hate speech, it's it, it's still protected speech. Whether you hate it or not, that's not the standard. It's still protected speech. If they start saying like, you know, you, um, John Smith, you deserve to die or you are a blank blank blankety blank 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 well then now you've crossed the line now you've now you've crossed the line that the first amendment says we don't this is not what we consider to be protected speech and obviously in those instances then <coughs> excuse me you have to take it on a case-by-case basis but 
when you're talking about speech in general and college campuses have become the 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 hall monitors of speech they become the places where speech goes to die not where speech goes to flourish and now all of a sudden it's come back to bite them because the people that don't like the speech that they allowed are calling them out because again they picked and chose they they decided which speech they would allow and they decided which speech they would ban they did not have a neutral position on this they were not speech neutral they were not content neutral they were not expression neutral it's very similar to big tech if you think about it uh i would defend big tech and their right to allow any comments on their platform all day long but they don't do that big tech acts like editors they're not supposed to they're they're covered under a a section of the federal law that gives them broad-based immunity for comments on their sites because the idea is that they are not publishing the content they are allowing it on the on the platform based on the fact that it's a a modern day town square. But we know that that's not what they've been doing. They've been absolutely monitoring speech and censoring speech and using their algorithms to silence people they don't like and opinions they don't like. So you turn around, and you go, all right, listen, the minute you start playing that game is the minute that, in my opinion, don't expect me to come running to your defense if you get in trouble. Because people don't like the speech you did allow. When all the other speech you shut down, don't look at me to defend you in that context. I'm the, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put on my cape and I'll, I'll come to the rescue when freedom of speech is under attack, even if it's speech I hate and detest. Unless the people that I'm supposed to defend are the people that have been silencing speech and shutting down people like me. In which case, then I turn around and I go, karma is a you know what. Karma's a giant B, yo. Karma's a B. And it stinks when it slaps you in the face, which is exactly what happened to the president of Penn and the president of Harvard. And it stinks. But I warned them. We all did. I mean, we all warned them for years and said, you know what? This is going to come back to bite you someday. Someday you're going to allow speech on a campus that people are going to detest and you're going to have to answer for it. And you're not going to be able to fall back on the First Amendment and say that you allow broad speech and you are expression neutral. You are setting yourself up for failure here. And that's exactly what we see playing out. Karma is a B. And it's nice to see karma do its thing, huh? 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Great to be with you today. We got a big show for you. We'll analyze the debate. What did you think of the debate? Who do you think won? Did Vivek do damage to himself? Did he hurt Nikki Haley? And is Chris Christie once and for all done? Don't go away. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, 855-839-1210 is the number on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you'd like to weigh in today. Harvard tells students using the wrong pronouns constitutes abuse. Mandatory Title IX training tells Harvard undergraduates they may be subject to disciplinary proceedings for, ready, the following things. Size-ism. Fat phobia, cis heterosexism, ableism, and more. And this is what Harvard says in their Title IX training manual. Fat phobia and cis heterosexism perpetuate violence. Using the wrong pronouns constitutes abuse. And any words used to lower a person's self worth are verbal abuse. Those are just a handful of things the schools told all undergraduate students in mandatory Title IX training sessions, according to materials reviewed by the Washington Free Beacon. So you can understand now why it's very hard to have any sympathy for these vile college presidents. Here is the president of Penn, who's now under fire. I'll play you her original uh, comment with Elise Stefanik. This is University of Penn President Elizabeth McGill during a House Education Workforce Committee hearing, cut 17. At Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the, yes speech or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct... It can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. The answer is yes, is correct. Um, Exactly right. Well, now this is her apology on social media where she tries to explain herself and walk herself back and save her job in the process. Uh, Cut 15. There was a moment during yesterday's congressional hearing on anti-Semitism when I was asked if a call for the genocide. Oh, let's stop it for a quick second. Donald Trump speaking outside the uh, New York civil fraud trial. Let's grab that live. Uh, This case is... It's a joke. It's a joke. Uh, the, the 
cash. He didn't even need. We didn't even need the loan. We could have. We had so much cash. We had far more cash than we had in the loan we're talking about. Uh, this has come out loud and clear. I hope for the press to understand. I hope they treat it fairly. It cannot be more conclusive. And they're not finished. They're going over other figures that are even better. Uh, they're not finished because over the years the numbers got even better. Uh, by the way, these loans were all paid off, just so you understand that. They were all paid off. These aren't loans that are due or were defaulted on at all. We never even got a notice of any difficulty. The bank, Deutsche Bank, was extremely happy. They testified. They were extremely happy. They made their full money, and some of the loans were paid off early. This is just a witch hunt with all of the with all of the problems that New York has at this horrible, absolutely horrible. The Attorney General would do this is disgraceful. It's a disgrace to our country. And again, I should be right now in Iowa and New Hampshire. South Carolina, I shouldn't be sitting in a courthouse, and I don't have to sit here. I could just do what I want, whatever I want to do, but I want to make sure that you get the true story, because this is a crooked attorney general who did this because she was running for governor and running for attorney general, but she ran for governor, she failed badly, she got like 2% of the vote. Uh, in the polls, and she went back to getting Trump. In fact, she said, I have big things to do. I'm going to go back. And she meant, I'm going to go back and get Trump. That was a big thing. So I just want to say it's a shame that this can happen. And by the way, other cases are just like this, too. The D.C. case, just like this. The boxes hoax. You know, you read the other day where they leaked out that Biden has no problem with the boxes. But uh, let's see what happens with that. He had probably 10 or 15 or 20 times more boxes than we did. He had them over a 40 or 50 year period. And they leaked out, he's got no problem. For me, they go after It's a two-tiered system of injustice. And the Attorney General in this case should be ashamed of themselves. And again, it comes out of the DOJ in Washington, the White House, because they want to try and damage an opponent so that he can win, so that we can have another four years of squalor. We can have another four years of millions of people coming in from jails and mental institutions pouring into our country. This is what's happened to our country. We're a failing nation because of stuff like this. You heard things today that nobody knew because I was a private company. I am a private company. And the numbers are great. Now, the other thing, if you notice, 2011, that's long beyond the statute of limitations. That's 12, 13 years ago we're talking about. The statute of limitations is like five, six at a max, but like five years. We're talking about, she sued us in 2011, but these loans were all paid off. There's nobody, there's nobody injured. They call it no victims. There's no victims. The banks love Trump. A lot of loans weren't paid off, but they weren't by me. The company is a great company. You heard what they said. Even the bank said this is a great company. One of the best, I think they said, the best company that they deal with. And this is what I have to go through. Fraud from a fraudulent attorney general that valued a incredible club in Florida that's worth 50 to 100 times more than they put down. But they fraudulently valued it low. This woman should be under investigation for what she did. She's a disgrace. Now, I did hear the judge say that he's going to take it under advisement uh, when we said you have to clear our name of that fraud because 
when he ruled the way he did, he didn't know anything about the case. He didn't know. He ruled against me. He didn't know anything about the case. Now he sees these things from the leading expert, the leading person, the man who sits on the Pulitzer Committee, most respected person, the Stern School, NYU, top professor, a very honest man, too, by the way, very honorable. If he didn't agree, he wouldn't say what he's saying. And he said, these were incredible loans. I didn't even need the money. So here's the story. Uh, I hope you write in fairly, because we have a very corrupt country. We have a very corrupt political system. And they're doing this to hurt a political opponent. This is third world country stuff. This is banana republic stuff. And it's a shame. It's a shame what's happening to our country. Thank you very much. Okay. That was former President Trump outside the courthouse right now, speaking at his New York civil fraud trial um, and, you know, blasting the process, blasting the attorney general, blasting all of it. And, you know, good for him, because I've I've been saying it. You've been saying it, too. I mean, this political prosecution going after him, this witch hunt by an attorney general who ran on the platform of saying, I am going to get Trump. I'm going to get Trump and a judge who clearly has this huge anti-Trump bias. A ridiculous gag order against him where he can't even speak out against what's happening to him. And an attorney general who is elected by the people of New York. So, I mean, she's not even appointed. She's elected. She's a politician with her eyes on the governor's office, made it a comment to say she was going to get Donald Trump. And she did. She went after him. But it's a civil trial, even though apparently, if you remember right before Thanksgiving, I share with you that Joe Biden was going to spend time in Martha's Vineyard. And he was going to go to a big, lavish estate that was worth something like $28 million. And I think it was Susie who made the comment on Twitter. But you're telling me Mar-a-Lago is only worth $18 million? Like, come on, please. I've been to Mar-a-Lago. It's a beautiful place worth a whole lot more than $18 million. I can tell you that. But that's not the point, right? I mean, forget, forget that. That's, the government here is going after him in a so-called civil trial, which would normally occur if, if two private parties sued each other. But this is the government using its power to go after a citizen under the guise of a civil trial, because New York statute allows that, <coughs> should be depriving him of a jury of his peers. And the, the consequences of this, the consequences of the judgment could be so severe that he could lose literally everything, everything, everything he owns, all of it, his life's work, every asset, every dollar, all of it. Now, how is that fair in your opinion? How does that align with the spirit of the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution, which says that when you are facing threats to your life or your liberty or your property, you have a right to a trial by jury? This is this is not, you know, if a bank sued Trump because it said that it felt it was defrauded on a loan application or something like that. Yeah, that would be a civil trial. That didn't happen. No banks, no insurers, nobody was involved financially has said anything regarding Trump's finances or regarding the applications or the loan documents or anything. It's been the state, the government doing that. If, we, if Wells Fargo comes after somebody and says, you know what, we gave you a loan and we, don't, we think you uh, overvalue the property and we're taking you to court over that, which I don't know why if the loan was repaid, but let's just say hypothetically they did, well, that'd be a civil case, be a civil trial. Everybody understands that. You don't have to be an attorney to understand that. I'm not an attorney and I understand that. But here's the government saying that he screwed all these people who never complained about it out of money, even though they got their money back. And so 
the, the state's going to prosecute him for that and not even give him a trial by a jury of his peers, even though what they what the punitive damages are literally could involve him losing his entire financial empire, everything he built, all his companies and everything. Pretty crippling, right? I mean, you know, there's more to more that the government can do than just throw you behind bars. Going to prison can be rough, I've heard, but also losing everything you have can also be pretty rough, too. The, the government takes away everything you own, your life's work, everything you built. I've been told that can be very, very damaging to somebody. So that's where we are today. And he's obviously fired up. The thing about it, though, politically, is that it's not hurting him. It's not hurting him in any way. It's only helping him. I think at this point, he's got such a massive lead in the polls because people see this for what it is. <coughs> Excuse me. They see this as a political witch hunt and it's benefiting Trump. There's a story out today about Georgia. Oh, he might, he might face incarceration in Georgia. I think he'll still win if he's behind bars in Georgia. I mean, there have been a lot of people in the course of history who have been prosecuted for political crimes. And most of the time, we were told in school that they were heroes, right? Dr. Martin Luther King, letter from a Birmingham jail come to mind, for example. Nelson Mandela was, was a political prisoner of apartheid. I mean, we've been told over the years of people who've been persecuted for politics. And I'm not even talking about the people who have just been harassed and hounded by the government. I mean, people who've actually been incarcerated. There's a lot of them throughout the course of time. Civil rights leaders. No one is going to not vote for Trump. No one is going to who wants to vote for him is going to change their mind if a state finds him guilty of something, because this is all nonsense. This is all nonsense. And people see it. They keep coming after him. Even Bill Burr, who's a comedian, acknowledged that point. Bill Burr does not like Trump. I find Bill Barr to be very, very funny. Bill Burr, Bill Burr is not a Trump guy. I said Bill Barr. Bill Burr, the comedian. Bill Burr is a very funny guy. He doesn't like Trump, but his point here is excellent. His point here is spot on about what the idiot liberals did to resurrect him. And I told you this too. I've been saying this for years. I've been saying if they really wanted him to go away, they should just let him go away. They can't help themselves. Their Trump derangement syndrome is so profound and sick. They literally can't help themselves. Cut 22. Like you want to see a great case thing on like narcissism. Liberals are so stupid the way that they handle Trump. What do you mean? You should shut up. He's a narcissist. Neutral energy. Yeah, you no think Trump. You think he'd go away? If you know what I think he was? I think he was a one-hit wonder. Uh-huh. Right? He wrote the twist. Uh-huh. And then that was it. He was on the casino circuit, and then you yeah. idiot liberals wrote him twist again when yeah. you indicted him. And yeah. now he's a martyr. And now he's, he's coming back, Jimmy. The peppermint twist. He's, he's back. Coming yeah. back. <laughs> it's gonna be great for comedy. He's coming back. <laughs> I can't believe like these are honestly going to be our two choices because I, I really try to with each thing to try to be like figure out who I'm going to put. I mean, it's got to be. I want somebody in their 40s, somebody that's going to have to live with their decisions. I don't want like you know, with any luck, with any luck, they'll both die of natural causes <laughs> before the election, and maybe you could get somebody that still has something to live for. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you want to weigh in. Listen, Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill is where relationships matter. And this is the perfect time to go to Cherry Hill Volvo because they are doing a big renovation of their dealership. A huge renovation. Lots of great things are happening over at Cherry Hill Volvo. They're at the beginning of an exciting renovation to their dealership. And that means this is a great opportunity 
for you to purchase the Volvo of your dreams. Now, they already have incredibly aggressive promotions going on. And they're, they, they're, they really work hard to find you the best possible price on that Volvo. They always do. But now it's even better. Because now, because of the, the renovation to make room for the construction equipment, they're adding on top of the already aggressive promotions they have an additional $1,000 off all new Volvos plus owner loyalty and $2,000 off when financing or leasing through Volvo cars, plus a $7,500 lease rebate on all plug-in Volvos. The dedicated professionals at Cherry Hill Volvo pride themselves on always delivering the luxury experience that you deserve, and they'll certainly continue to do that throughout the remodeling of their dealership. It's why I chose and continue to choose Cherry Hill Volvo. I love my Volvo, and you will too. Cherry Hill Volvo is the most accessible Volvo dealer to Philly and South Jersey, right across the bridge. And we broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo studios. Judith, Yosef, and the entire team look forward to meeting you. And remember, on top of all the other aggressive promotions they have, you get an additional $1,000 off all new Volvos, plus owner loyalty, an additional $2,000 off when financing or leasing through Volvo cars. So whether it's a brand new Volvo, Certified pre-owned or the Care by Volvo lease program at Cherry Hill Volvo, which is what I have, you will be in great hands with my friends and our strong supporters, Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Yeah, I got a little touch of a cough, but it's just allergies. Don't worry. It's not COVID or anything like that. Just allergies. I'm overdue for my allergy shot. Keep having to reschedule it, but... Um, I'm sure Dr. Lonnie is listening right now, or at least her husband is, and I'm going to get a text in about four minutes saying, you better take your medicine. I know, I know. So it always happens this time of year. I have a dust allergy and I wind up being inside like we all are too much. And then I wind up breathing in the dust because this place is freaking the dustiest place in the universe. I can literally see the dust on those chairs over there, Matt DeSantis. Can you see those in the studio here? Disgusting place where we work. There's, I think the issue is, I figured it out. Some studios are really clean. Others are really dirty. Yours is filthy. Yes. Uh, the studio that Henry and I share is also filthy. Right. And the reason is because someone is in here every single day when um, the cleaning cr- crew comes through to tidy things up. Um, they don't ever clean in here. That's the problem you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Because when they come at night, I'm on the air. Correct. Yeah. So then in the morning, Kale gets all my garbage. Is basically, that basically? Yeah, I yeah. think so. That's why when I left him the banana peel that day or <laughs> he left it out or something happened. So basically <laughs> what you're saying is this studio has probably never been cleaned since it was built pre-COVID. Uh, yes. No. Well, I, I no. think since, no? since you've been on the air, because I was doing... Uh, well, I've been board... on the air for 10 years. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> let me rephrase that. Since you've been, since you moved back to afternoons. Okay. So, because I used to be here doing uh, the sh- the programming uh, we used to have on instead, and they would come in. Oh, you mean Hannity? Come... Yeah. Right. Sure, Hannity. Yeah. Hannity. Only seven hundred and fifty <laughs> days until the most important election of our lifetime. I, I don't, yeah, I don't want to give any free press. Sure. Uh, so, <laughs> well, I think yeah. everybody knows who he is. Yeah. So yeah, Hannity would come on. They'd come in there. They'd clean. They'd do everything. But uh, no, since you moved back to uh, afternoons, no one's coming. Uh, now I don't ever look at the numbers. I don't really care. I, I, I believe numbers can be manipulated. I, I, I'm too cynical in working in politics, but Greg Stocker, our steam program director slash brand manager slash, uh, corporate show slash El Jefe slash Darth Stocker did say that we've had our best numbers 
WPHD is at its best numbers in afternoon drive since the last time I was in in afternoon drive. (laughs) You mean we're more popular than Sean? Yes, by a lot. (laughs) And the last time PHD had strong numbers in afternoon drive prior to me being in afternoon drive was Irv Homer. I mean, it was a long time ago because we basically went through a series of very, very bad choices. Should we relive some of those choices right now? Who were they? Well, you had the Dick Morris show. Oh, yeah. But prior to that, you had Bud B- Buzz Bissinger and Steve Martirano. You remember that? I, I was not here for that. B- uh, Buzz Bissinger. Yeah, the Buzz- author. Friday Night Lights. Yeah, uh, he had some quirks, correct? Oh, uh, yeah, it's a good way. Yeah, quirks is a good way to put it. <laughs> I wasn't sure who yeah, was quirks. him or not, so I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, you could say a guy's got a quirk or two. Yeah, I push buttons, Senator. Yeah, he's got a quirk or two, Buzz Bissinger. And giant freaking screw loose, but... Hey, you leave us no choice, listeners. Well, that well, well, that almost happened. That was, that was, Alec Baldwin was on this radio station for at least a weekend show. And Greg produced that show, as a matter of fact. See if I could find my... Yeah, so they, so they had a number of bad, bad years. And then I moved to afternoons. I was in nights. I moved to afternoons, and then afternoon drive, the numbers went very, very high. And then I left afternoons, and the numbers went very, very down. So I came back to afternoons, and the numbers went up again. So that's some good news right there. So we have achieved our highest afternoon drive ratings since the last time I was in afternoon drive. <laughs> very nice. I'm beating myself. That's impressive. Could the well, also that does a little you know disgusting. nothing about what I just said. Yeah, did no, no. you dump? Would you dump? Yeah, dump d- that for me, Henry? Don't be beating yourself off on air, Henry. My gosh, that I said you definitely beating, can't. Say. No, you can't what? say that. I said beating myself up is what I said. Oh, oh, Henry, you really crossed the line there. I think you should dump that. <laughs> I'm not getting in trouble for you. I'm not getting in trouble for my producer. With something, the, the producer was in trouble for what the host says that gets over the air. I don't get in trouble for what the producer says. I guess we can... There's a class system here at this place. <laughs> it's pretty clear at this point that the reason the ratings are up, not because of Henry or any of his contributions. I disagree. He's constantly having to hit the dump button on himself. <laughs> <laughs> Only had to twice. Only had to twice. That's a bad number as a That's producer. It. Well, considering I'm coming in here every day, I mean, uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's all right. It's no big deal. Where was I going with all this, by the way? Now I don't remember. I don't know. We've been all over the place <laughs> in the last, like, 15 minutes. Something about numbers? I forgot to take my Adderall today. Yeah, uh, yeah something about... Oh, I, but I, you know what I wanted to get to, though? I wanted to get, just get this off my chest real quick. I had a major dad fail moment. Now, I'm going to speak in code here, okay? Michael and I are going to speak Italian. Uh, I'm going to speak in code because there might be children in the car, all right? So you two who don't have kids, don't mess this up for me, all right? All right? I'll try. The elf on the shelf comes to visit every year this time of year when the, the usually when the tree goes up the elf comes from the north pole and he hangs out and he watches the kids you want to really get them primed on the surveillance state as early as possible you know what i mean of course <laughs> so the elf on the shelf sits there on the shelf and watches the kids all day to make sure they're good every night the elf leaves goes back to the north pole and gives a report to santa and comes back to a different location in the house Except this morning, when he was in the exact same place he was the morning before. Uh-oh. And I had to explain to my daughter, Claire, who's seven, why Fred the Elf came back and decided to sit on the exact same spot he was in the day before. And I told her, 
It's probably because he needed to just keep a really careful eye on her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, no, I, I hear you on that Major one. dad fail. Major. You know. Major dad fail. The right elf there. in the shelf in my house did that a couple times, too. I can say that much. Now, of course, it doesn't help that my elf smokes and usually has a bourbon. <laughs> and I, I should have said that. I said, you know, I, I, the elf was just too drunk. He came back from the North Pole, thought he was in a new spot, Claire. I'm sorry. He didn't want to get behind the wheel. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a magic sled, but, uh, you know, even, obviously. Yeah, I don't want to get behind the wheel of that You know, either. he just, he, he came back and he's like, you know, what? I like this shelf. I like this shelf. I'm going to stay right on this shelf. And then, you know, and he falls down. Damn it, kid. <laughs> I'm not going to a different room. I'm coming right back here. So, yes, Claire, your elf on the shelf got hammered at the North Pole and came back and came back exactly on the shelf that he was on. Like, damn it, I'm tired of this. It's only December 7th. Man. <laughs> Daddy, why is there elf vomit on my shelf? Well, Claire, I went with Fred the <laughs> Drunken Elf this year. Fred the Drunken Elf on a shelf. With his sidekick, Candy. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. If you want to play along um, either the home game edition or you can play along by calling the show. December 15th, we'll be live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. That's one week from tomorrow, and I want to see you there. The Grand Hotel of Cape May is my happy place. I love it there, and I would love it even more if you are there. Because it will be a Christmas miracle, Zioli show, Christmas spectacular next Friday. So please join us, 3 to 7 p.m., live at the Grand Hotel. You don't need a reservation to come to the show. You don't need a ticket to come to the show. Just come. You'll make friends. You'll talk to your fellow Zioli Army members, uh, and we'll have a good time. And you never know where these live shows go. They just kind of go off the rails, as they tend to do, as all my shows tend to go off the rails. So please join us one week from Friday at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey, for our last and final live broadcast of the year, Christmas edition. Don't miss it. I'll see you then. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.